so he does this thing. I don't know what the term for it is, but I call it Muppet voice. <laughs> Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod, the game where no one wins and the lucky numbers are always 666. I'm your co-host, Pumpkin Grimsley. <laughs> I'm your other co-host, Dead Bones Dylan's Got No Skin Slay. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought of that one yesterday and I just had to do it. This is the show where using the Rate You Music Charts and a number generator, we choose one album and one EP at random to discuss. For the month of October, we are talking exclusively horror punk, psychobilly, death rock, and gothic rock. Can And we are flying solo today, uh, mainly due to scheduling differences, also partly due to not wanting to subject new people to um, a dumb gimmick. So, <laughs> Do you want to be on our podcast? Cool, cool. All right. Listen to Halloween music <laughs> and give me your opinion on it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> we're, what, halfway through this and we're already sick of it? We did this last year. And we only did three albums last, three weeks last year. Yep. So, apparently we get amnesia every time we do something like this. As we double down on bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. It's the sunk, it's the sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> sunk lotto pod. More like stunk lotto pod. All right. Oh. Well... <laughs> What are we talking about? I don't know. I don't have anything to talk about at the top of the show, so we can just dive into the album. <laughs> this might be a f- uh, short episode. For this week, we got number 1,002. It doesn't matter. We got The one. numbers are meaningless. <laughs> they may as well be 13. And 666. Yeah. And I can't think of any other spooky numbers. What are the scary numbers? <laughs> What's that Jim Carrey scary movie? The number 23. 23. <laughs> <laughs> this is part three six six <laughs> oh right from last year part six of our halloween spooktacular uh in order to draw uh to create a list we throw in all the genres i mentioned previously 
into the Rate Your Music charts at the same time. So you wind up with a list of like 2,300 albums or something crazy like that. So the numbers are kind of arbitrary. It's purely just a, a way to uh, rank them according to their scores yeah, it, on Rate Your Music. But I mean, yeah, just it just gives us something to draw from. Yeah. So our album for this episode is from the band Grave Robber, and it's their album Inner Sanctum. So, Grave Robber, some basics out of the way. Grave Robber formed in 2005 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Good old Midwestern boys. Released in 2009 on Retroactive Records, who primarily reissues old classic Christian rock and metal bands like Bride, Deliverance, White Cross, and the Resurrection Band. But they have released a couple Grave Robber albums, and this very year... They did release an album by our good friends, One Bad Pig. Oh, good. I figured they <laughs> had to have. Oh, um. no! <laughs> Ree! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's One Bad Pig. That's, uh, well, one band that we might make more comparisons to. <laughs> uh, see how much of that you got out of this. Yeah. This is Grave Robber's second album, and the personnel on this record is very difficult to track down. Uh, so, <laughs> on vocals, it is Wretched, a.k.a. Sean Browning. Though Kills, yes. by the way. Oh, is it doing that as well? I didn't see that myself. They did that on their Facebook page. Uh, <laughs> on guitar, it is Lamentor, a.k.a. Mike Walter. On bass, it's Carcass, a.k.a. Craig Wheats. And also, I noticed whenever you're on Discogs and you click on his name, Carcass, it just takes you to the British metal band Carcass. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Carcass parentheses number like it is with most other artists when there's multiples. So whoever formatted that did not even (laughs) know who to link it to. And on drums is Plague. I don't know who drums on this record. The only way I was able to figure out who Wretched, Lamentor, and Carcass were is because in 2011, they broke up, and the uh, lead singer, Sean, posted on some website, like, all the members' band name, all the band members' names, and, like, listed all of the past members they had, and listed, like, six drummers, so I don't know which drummer is actually on this record specifically, they didn't they seem to have trouble keeping drummers. They were, I think the rest of the lineup was pretty steady for the most part. And they basically broke up because they didn't have a drummer and then turned around and got back together. So whatever. So according to Discogs, uh, Sean Browning is the owner of Rottweiler records, which is a 
kind of, I don't know. The Christian alternative metal, punk, hardcore industry is really weird now. So there aren't a ton of labels that exist beyond Tooth & Nail and Solid State that have much of a following. So like there's still Face Down Records and some smaller ones. But Rottweiler is kind of like a metal label. They've released stuff from... (laughs) A whole bunch of bands you don't know if you're listening to this show. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, For... I don't know. I guess if you're listening to this episode because of Grave Robber, you may be familiar with some of these bands. But Well, yeah. uh, The most famous bands on their label are uh, Immortal Souls, who are a Finnish death metal band. And they had Soul Embraced on there, which is a living sacrifice side project. And Lust Control, if you remember from our One Bad Pig episode, they were the Uh, side project of that band. So, Rawala Records, mostly a metal label, but then they have some weird horror punk bands. So, yeah. Also- well, I mean, it's the punk that true metalheads listen to, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <clears throat> uh, Sean- punk sucks, except for, like, the Misfits and all these <laughs> other terrible horror punk bands. <laughs> uh, Sean Browning also played in Mainline Riders, which is a Huntington side project. So... <laughs> Wow. If you know your deep cuts of Christian rock. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the Huntingtons are playing the fest this year. Yep. And I'm going so, to see them. So very strange. This record was produced by Tim Bushong, who also played in the Mainline Riders. But also, this I don't. This isn't really going to matter to anyone else but you and me. But he was also the lead singer of the band Love War. Oh. Yes. None of you know who Love War are. I promise, unless you were in that band, you don't know who Love War is. But but we do, uh, because they were one of the <laughs> first first CDs we ever got, or I ever got. It was specifically mine. Uh, we got it for Christmas, I want to say. Uh, it was yeah. the year I got, a Chris- I got a CD player for Christmas, and you didn't, but you also got a bunch of CDs, so because... <laughs> I guess we were still... I mean, yeah, we were going to just share it. It was like a boombox. Yeah, yeah. So it it was funny. Like, even though the CD player was, like, gifted to me specifically at Christmas, we both got CDs. So it didn't really... It was silly. But one of the ones that we got, or I got, was this Love War CD. Uh, It had come out in 1993, and this was probably (laughs) 96, 97, when I got the CD player. So... (laughs) I don't know, I, this is a very long tangent on a band that no one's going to care about, but it is, I, I almost want to play a clip just so I, people can hear how... I, re- I Yeah, I think you should. Looking 
They were a hair rock? They weren't even that metal. <laughs> that, oh man. I'm just, I'm just going to put a sample in right here because I don't know how else to describe it. It's one of the worst things I've ever heard. <laughs> we got an assortment of like bottom of the barrel discounted Christian rock pop CDs. Uh, that year when we got our CD player, mm-hmm. we got, uh, we, I really think the only redeemable CD from that pile was probably the audio adrenaline, some kind of zombie single, um, CD single, which included a cover of the hairbrush song from, <laughs> uh, veggie tales. So the, the cucumber that sings about <laughs> inane, non really spiritual garbage <laughs> um uh, we also got that same year was a compilation from sublime records oh right yeah on that con it was like a two dollar comp or something like that and i'm trying to find it right now because it had some decent stuff on it i want to say it had stuff you knew Right. Statements from the Green Planet, is what it was called, is a 12-song sampler, and the most famous band on it was Fold Zandura, who actually released a record on Tooth & Nail Records later. So, the rest was Silage, Ruby Joe, Quail, Honey, Cosmos <laughs> Express, you know, all your favorites. <laughs> and it was like two song, two or three songs from each artist, too. Yeah. <laughs> like So they didn't even have enough bands on the label yeah. uh yeah so sorry for that uh tangent there it was just something i thought was really funny do yourself a favor though and look up the album cover because it is it is fantastic exquisite <laughs> let's describe it real quick i'll include a link to it but uh <laughs> it's a construction worker colored green it's just <laughs> <laughs> with the the sublime logo on his helm on his hat his hard hat and the statements from the green planet is just like that dripping green alien font that you would see on 90s stuff and he's in front of some blue rocks <laughs> i don't yeah, know why the background is like blue and 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 i love this if you google it like someone thoroughly documented this because you get the back cover with the track listing um with which which has their their logo with like some real bad three-dimensional text (laughs) um and then the cd case has a green disc tray so it's got like the green spine (laughs) it's they went all out it's got every page of the liner notes even photo (laughs) it's just white black on white text oh man that how was that a, oh man it's so cheap how is that a green planet it's a green man on a blue planet yeah a, a green lime <laughs> yeah all right anyway you know how much we want to talk about this album yeah yeah that shows you you know darling i know how hard it is loving a man like me 
And I never take for granted your sacrifice. So baby, this little ditty is about my undying love for you. Cause you will always be the only cool for me. Grave Robber named themselves after a song by the mega successful Christian rock band Petra. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, Wait a minute. <laughs> oh wow. I don't think I listened to the song. No, I didn't. I haven't done that, but I may do that later. But from from the Petra album, not of this world, you you can get the allegory there. Jesus. Um, when the grave robber comes like a thief in the night, where is the victory? Where is the prize? When the grave robber, robber comes and death finally dies, Jesus is the grave robber. <laughs> He's stealing you back from the grave. Uh, listening to it, it has a very Ario Speedwagon feel to it. <sighs> and yes, yeah, I mean, Petra was like full on AOR. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, all this to say, Grave Robber is a Christian horror punk band. <laughs> if you hadn't gathered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with all the One Bad Pigs and Rottweiler records and Huntingtons and Love Wars and Petra references, Grave Robber are a Christian horror punk band. Not the only ones. <sighs> Mentioned previously on the last episode. Uh, Blaster the Rocket Man, who is actually a good band. Yeah, they are. Do um, go listen to The Monster Who Ate Jesus, The Monsters Who Ate Jesus by Blaster the Rocket Man. It's great. I love it from beginning to end. It's fun and funny, and the songwriting is really good. And yeah. Uh, there's also The Deadlines. That's right. Who are a tooth and nail band. Um, their first record is a, they call it a horror punk record. Um, it's really just got a lot of synthesizer organ work on it. It's not particularly spooky. I guess there's like Go Go to the Graveyard was the big single. And, but then their follow-up album was like a, just a glam rock album. So they, they dropped the horror gimmick pretty much immediately. Um, and Rottweiler seems to also have a lot of Christian horror punk bands on the label as well. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't listen to a ton of them. But they all have like Grave in their name. <laughs> so... Uh, does Empty Tomb count as a Christian uh, horror punk band? <laughs> so I wanted to give you an idea. So you may be, you may be asking yourself, how did we get here? Um, <laughs> how can you be a horror punk band and a Christian band at the same time? And beyond the argument of Christian members in a band that doesn't necessarily sing Christian songs, 
they have actually managed to create a mythos or every song they sing is a metaphor for Christianity in some form oh, yeah, or yeah. fashion. I mean, it's it's easy. You just ham fist. <laughs> so I wanted to read Christian allegory into. I mean, I don't know. Have you read the Bible? It's terrifying. I mean, sure, sure. Like, there's plenty of material. I wanted to read their bio from Last FM, and I think Discogs has the same bio as well. And it kind of sums up the entire gimmick. So, um, predetermined in the mind of the reanimator at the void. So, they're oh, just so you know, we're Calvinists. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that uh, theology up front. Uh, Ain't the, no free will. <laughs> the reanimator. So I'm guessing that's God. Uh, the void <laughs> is uh, before heaven and earth or whatever. Grave robber was unleashed upon an unsuspecting pre-apocalyptic earth AD 2005. So this sounds like they're, uh, <laughs> they're waiting for the <laughs> revelation to come true. As wounded and mutilated souls suffering curses unfathomable, death was their eternal verdict. So, you know. Choosing to escape the clutches of the grave, they have elected to die to themselves by inviting the ghost, a.k.a. Jesus, to indwell within them. Now the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, true. Now these devil's rejects arm themselves with sonic vibratory executions and images of horrific realities, bringing an onslaught of sound and warning that will ring upon... ring into eternity. (sighs) Oh, boy. So... That's about how creative they are. Yeah. They just literally, like, find all replaced Jesus with ghost and, like, (laughs) you know, they just replaced all the Bible words with spooky words, and it's still the exact (laughs) same story. (laughs) What did you think of this record? Well, I don't think I had, well, I know I have heard Grave Robber before, but I had almost entirely forgotten what they sounded like. I mean, uh, so I guess we should, uh, we could elaborate further on and their whole gimmick um they wear costumes on stage Mm -hmm. i mean they have the pseudonyms and like um it it's very like christian slipknot as well like that was definitely what they were going for i mean they're definitely influenced by like gore and yeah they do the gore thing without the theatrics yeah without the budget because (laughs) yeah they (laughs) they have masks they're decent looking masks but they're like the type of mask you can still buy in a store as far as I can tell, they've never changed them. It's been the same masks the entire time they've been a band. They're they're very modified Halloween store masks. Yeah. And they have, like, sort of, like, tatters around the head, so it's almost got, like, a, a cloak-type thing, or like a hood-type thing going there. That in itself isn't terrible. It's the rest of their outfits that are actually really atrocious. They look like black sweatsuits with red paint on them. <laughs> like, like, yeah. They're zip-up hoodies that they, like, got paint on. No, no, they're button-ups. I guess they're more like carving work <laughs> work shirts. <laughs> oh. But they've pretty much worn the exact same clothes for, since 2005. The lead singer wears skull gloves. Um... The rest of the members can't do that because they have to actually play their instruments. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's something. Um, so, so listening to it, I forgot how much uh, the vocalist is 
trying to do a Danzig impression. Yeah, and we talked so. a little last week about how Jerry Only was trying to do a Danzig impression. This is an even worse one. It's just that that prerequisite. But I also got, and he kind of has a similar voice without the technique, um, without the actual decent singing ability. <laughs> well, okay, he's he's decent, but not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he reminds me a lot of Mark Salomon. That I wrote that down myself. Um, uh, Mark Salomon, of course, for those who don't know, uh, I guess best known for The Crucified. Mm-hmm. Classic Christian thrash, hardcore crossover kind of uh, great band. And then, of course, later, Stavesacre, more of a rock band, and Neon Horse, even getting more and more down the line. But he's got a similar voice, but he does sound like he's just a guy who has a similar voice that wants to sing like Danzig instead of just singing like himself. Yeah. He was in a band called The Migraines, I believe. Hmm. Um, I didn't think to look them up to see if his voice sounds anything like that, though. Yeah, his... <sighs> so he does this thing. I don't know what the term for it is, but I call it Muppet voice. <laughs> And it's kind of like he's singing while doing a Kermit the Frog impression. And if you've ever heard the band Anne Berlin, he does it too. And it's it's like you're just slamming your like whole epiglottis uh, like uh, into your mouth. <laughs> I, I I don't know what you call it. And maybe like a tamer version would be like Waylon Jennings. He, he kind of does it a little bit, too. Uh, or, like, a, um, who has a voice like that? There's, like, a female singer that does that, too. She's got a Regina voice. Spector does it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> it's like, why are you doing that? You <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to sound like a Frank Oz character. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It just strikes me as bad technique. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know enough about singing. Maybe it's more proper. I don't know. You can hear it in, like, he his voice kind of cracks in some spots. He's, like, he's reaching to hit notes. He seems to have a hard time doing this. And that's why I want to find uh, some migraines music. That way I can um, <laughs> find out if that's a put-upon affect, you know? Yeah. Uh, the Migraines yeah. were on the Rocky Horror Punk Rock Show compilation, so that's probably the most famous song they had. Oh, no. So I'm listening to it right now. Yes, this is definitely a put-upon voice. Yeah, he's, his normal singing voice, at least in the Migraines, was much, much higher. Uh, so, yeah, this is a put-on voice. Um, Yeah, so why do it? I don't know. Because you got to like, sound if, like Danzig if you're in a horror punk band. Like, if you're forcing yourself to sing... In a way that's not natural for you to sing, and it doesn't sound good, and you're having trouble hitting these notes, and you're choking off the ends of your phrases, <laughs> don't do it. Just sing normal, maybe even a little bit grittier, because it's, I mean, really, like, the his voice doesn't fit this music. No. The music is way more metallic in some places, 
like sort of thrashy and then a lot of like skate punk elements as well they're not playing misfit style music they're not doing they're doing woes but they're not doo-woppy misfits woes they're more like anthemic sing-alongs that you know were really popular in the mid 90s so so and so singing like this in this put upon fake danzig voice Mm -hmm. if anything it makes it just makes the music sound cornier (laughs) because i mean there's honestly some good guitar work the drumming's really solid throughout yeah and so when you're you're doing this like i don't know it it almost sounds like real bad power metal it feels it feels like you're trying to sound like a hair metal band it's really inauthentic it comes across as someone you hired like not artists but like oh we hired a bar band to play spooky monster songs for our halloween party at you know at the pub yeah. you know yeah <laughs> it doesn't feel like these are songs they really had they wanted to get out they're and oh, maybe it was about the gimmick i, I it was fully uh, about the gimmick because you wouldn't wear these masks every single night if it wasn't about the gimmick yeah. <clears throat> well you maybe would yeah. wear some face paint if you were like no we got to be a horror punk band <laughs> I saw it, some early footage. It reminds me a lot of a lot of the criticism I have for One Bad Pig, where it was too much about the image or the gimmick or the message and not enough about just writing good music mm-hmm. and playing well. And both of these bands are capable of playing better music than this. They just don't have taste, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. It's the same problem that a lot of... Yeah, you, One Bad Pig hits it. It's right on the hit, nail because it's like... Every single one of these songs is a horror-themed song that specifically is about Jesus in some way or Christianity in some way. You can't take the... I don't know. I read an interview where they were talking about how, well, we loved the Misfits and wish there was just a Christian version. I was like, why does there have to be a Christian version of the Misfits? Because it's, it's not real. The Misfits aren't really, you know... Dead cats well, hanging and, from poles. <laughs> and why doesn't it sound more like the Misfits? True. Other than trying to sing like. Yeah. Because if like like the Huntingtons did Christian Ramones, like and they actually sound like the Ramones. Also, there's very little Christian message in the Ramones in the Huntingtons discography. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's not a ton that they're like singing about Jesus. They're all love songs. I mean, MXPX was a Christian pop punk band that never 
ever saying about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we're Christian. Uh, yeah. Let's go to the punk rock show. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's this is it's a weird concept. The idea of a Christian, you know, growing up, we we weren't limited to only listening to Christian music. But it, it, if you unless you wanted your like music analyzed by our parents, uh, you just wound up buying Christian music. So it's just so much easier. But yeah, it's Christian. All right, we'll uh, now don't read the lyrics. Um, I bought this agony scene CD at the Christian bookstore. Yeah. So it's fine. All songs about killing yourself. <laughs> Glass Casket were a Christian band. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, but now as an adult, the idea of just like a Christian band, outside of the concept of hymns and gospel songs and worship music, which... Yeah, like, yeah, music written specifically for church use. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it, exactly. Music that's written specific for church use. Why do we have to have this kind of music for our, just our everyday entertainment? I don't know. It It's part of a lot of things that the, the people in the church love to do is just to separate themselves from the secular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. They have the Christian movies and they, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, it, it, but at the same time, it's just the idea of a, a Christian record label and Christian music now is silly to me like which maybe that's why these labels barely exist anymore they're they don't have a huge reach like they used to like lifeway christian bookstores and family christian bookstores have gone out of business Um, you know and i've wondered i have wondered about about the the christian music industry fading i mean so like when we were getting into music the most um like getting into metal and hardcore and punk and all of that stuff um that was at the peak of christian music Mm -hmm. like that was like the i mean that was under oath and norma jean and and and, you know just all of the mainstream success crossover success of christian bands bands for the nail and solid state records and i wonder if it christian music other than worship music mostly died off because that scene died off like the whole mall emo warp tour scene really dropped off Hmm. by 2010 and there was just no from there there was just no avenue and 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 i think maybe alternatively too people got burned out on the christian hardcore bands that were just like big rock stars and there's less advantage now because people don't want to have anything to do with that. There's less advantage to position yourself as a Christian band because people just got turned off by that so much. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could be the case. When when was the last Cornerstone? Yeah, yeah, that that helped end it, too. Sometime... Because hmm. there's footage from 2009 that Grave Robber played Cornerstone. Uh, for those who don't know, Cornerstone was, uh, like, the premier, like, christian alternative music festival that happened every year uh it had a very long history um it was like a humongous deal uh for the christian i mean scene. you can look up any christian punk band and most christian rock bands from the 90s and 2000s 
on YouTube and you will almost guarantee to find a, a, a clip from Cornerstone. Yeah. If not, like, multiple clips or whole concerts. I mean, like, I've watched full Roadside Monument sets from Cornerstone, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it ended in 2012. That was, that yeah. was the last year. That sounds about right, then. Because the, I feel like the Christian music, at least the subgenre of Christian music, alternative music, died off. Because yeah, I, I still fully believe that there's plenty, plenty of, like, worship music and contemporary Christian music that's still, like, being produced, to this, you know, today. But it's... Um, I mean, it could be just the changing of the industry, you know, the type of people who are going to buy a hardcore album or a metal album or anything, or a punk album, are not the type to, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying here, but (laughs) to physically buy music, I don't know. You know, nobody buys CDs anymore, Uh, you know, records are a thing, but... So, I mean, I don't know, there are still labels... You know, Face Down Records still puts out music. Mm-hmm. Um, Tooth and Nail, Ages, Comrades. Those are pretty recent recent releases. Um, Tooth and Nail, yeah. And they just they're you know they're putting out the new Norma Jean record. Um, Demon Hunter, are they still on Tooth and Nail or are they actually separate now? And I'm I'm just really curious. I never like I see a lot of those releases like announced mm-hmm. um, and promoted. But I don't... I'm curious where these bands are playing now. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of, with the exception of Norma Jean, where are the rest of the bands on these record labels playing shows? Are they purely local? Do they still go to, like, the handful of, like, Christian music festivals that exist? I don't know. Well, (laughs) Comrades apparently has been playing with, like, Barrier Dead and Wolves at the Gate. Well, where did um, where did those bands mostly, play now? Mostly bar venues, you know. Yeah, I guess your typical music venue, like not like churches. <laughs> yeah. The demon is a liar. He will like to confuse us. Shadows of the ceiling, shadows on the wall, shadows in the bedroom, shadows down the hall. Back of all his fingers, standing at the bed, holding his fingers, gripping his hand. I guess we should talk more about Grave Robber. Do we have to? I mean, we don't, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there are some okay melodies on the record. Detonation AD, which is like the first full song, because uh, the album starts with like a John Carpenter style like instrumental track. <laughs> it ha- it ends well. Shadows has an all right chorus. There's like woes all over this record, but it. I don't know. This is, like, the most joyless version of this kind of music. Because, like, you you play in a horror punk band because you want to have fun. And I don't hear anyone having fun on this record. Like, you, you have to embrace the silliness of being in a horror punk band. And they maybe they tried to take it too seriously. Yeah, I mean, which I don't know how you can do when, when there's songs like 
uh, well, the one that stands out to me, Men in Black, <laughs> um, which is about how demons are in disguise as aliens <laughs> and not to trust the CIA, CIA and FBI and what they say about aliens not being real. <laughs> I think that's what it was about. <laughs> so... Aliens are real, but the aliens are actually demons. <laughs> I like um, that. Don't trust the government. <laughs> There's lines in songs about like killing people. And I'm like, how do you turn that into a Christian theme? I don't know. <laughs> Ask the GOP. <laughs> um, this does this does strike me as as evangelical. Republican punk. Real preachy. Well, we know that some of the Huntingtons are pretty conservative. Oh, yeah. Uh, they definitely took uh, Ben Weasel's side in that, <laughs> you know, when he punched that woman. And, like, the same week, they're like, we still stand with Ben Weasel. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, yes, I'm going to go watch them at Fest. Yeah. It, it, Justin's canceled. Yeah, fine. Well, Fest should be canceled because they booked them. <laughs> I bet no one knows they're Republican. <laughs> and that's why they yeah, got I booked. Mean, <laughs> for sure. So I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. They can play. I, I want to know how they got on. Yeah. Is it because they're like, well, all the other ones got canceled. We can't have the queers on because Joe Queer's a Republican. Uh, we can't have Ben Weasel on. So what's the next best thing? Well, the next best thing is Cappy Gooley because he's not canceled. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah, I mean, you get the Lillingtons, too. They play all the time. So, it is weird that the Huntingtons are playing, but... Yeah. Well, anyway, man, we we don't want to talk about Grey Rubber. Yeah, I'm looking at lyrics right now. Detonation AD has a chorus, I guess, that goes, Wars and rumors of war, pestilence and violence, rape and murder, all hell breaks loose. Okay. Yeah. Demon- yeah. Demonic infanticide. That's... What are you, a grindcore band? <laughs> is this record they have a song called i spit on your grave you know reference to the (laughs) right exploitation like they reference all these things that it's like if you if you're so concerned about the christian like you know so tell telltale heart doesn't actually have like a real like metaphor it's really just talking about a stalker pretty much Mm -hmm. um uh, Altered States is about Frankenstein, but Frankenstein is a metaphor for what you were before versus what you are after salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay. Blaster kind of did that too. <laughs> yeah, but it's a little more tongue in cheek. It is, and it also <clears throat> sounds a little smarter. I don't know. Maybe he's just got a better thesaurus or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that guy's. What he's like. He lives in Scotland now, so I don't know. <laughs> what his deal is yeah <clears throat> i mean they apparently do a cover of children of the grave but the spotify version does not have that on there i'm sure it was they couldn't get the license i gotta see <clears throat> if i can find that because i want to see how badly they uh butcher sabbath mm-hmm. well, hey already... do you remember how everyone uh christians always wanted to try and interpret black sabbath lyrics <laughs> as pro-christian they took the, um, they always use that one song that's about, like, killing the Pope as, like, their reference to, oh, is he Christian? And, yeah. Because Ozzy claimed he was a Christian? Is that the reason why? 
I don't know. I don't even... I mean, Ozzy is just, like, a major stoner. <laughs> I mean, and, like, After Forever is the song. Yeah. Um, I really think he was just riffing, um, <laughs> to be honest. I, I don't know that there was that, mu- that much thought put into any Black Sabbath lyrics. Um, Sabbath are great. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Well, I besides, like, the political songs, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But... So I'm listening to their cover "Children of the Grave" right now, and it's not good. So, yeah, it's too fast. You're playing a doom song, and you're playing it too fast. I pulled up the chart specifically for horror punk albums that were released in uh, 2009 when this album came out, and I've never heard of any of the... Okay, there's The Misfits. They put out a single called Land of the Dead. It has two songs on it in 2009. The rest of them, I don't know who any of them are. So, I, I mean, and the other names that I recognize, I only recognize from having looked at the horror punk charts. <laughs> yeah. Like, recently. So, Cancer Slug. Yeah. And, uh... The Rosedales. Yeah. And The Undead is on here, and that is um, Bobby Steele from The Misfits' other horror punk band that he started in the 80s and, like, played, still plays with. Like, it's it's just The Misfits again, but they're never positively revered. <laughs> Come on, Robbo played drums in 1983. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who else was in there? Steve Zing from 83 to 86. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah, it's literally Bobby got kicked out of the Misfits and he wanted to keep playing in the Misfits, so he... Yeah, he just completely ripped him off. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is the second highest rated horror punk release God. from the year of 2009. I don't know who the Hex Dispensers are. They're probably better. But, yeah, that is saying something. If Grave Robber... Which, now, I also want to say, there's, in all likelihood, Grave Robber is just got more positive reviews because mostly the only people who went and rated them on Rate Your Music are just Grave Robber fans. That is true, because if you look at their scores, this album has a 3.50. Uh, it had like a 3.7 something, and then I gave it 
a score and knocked it down to 3.50. So it's always nice whenever your number directly affects the average score of something on Rate Your Music. For reference... I always want to see that happen, but it never does. <laughs> for for reference, there were only 15 ratings for this record. Their most popular record is Be Afraid, their debut 2008 album. And I'm pretty sure it is the most popular because teenagers in at Cornerstone were like, there's a Christian Misfits? Like, bought the CD. And then were like, oh, it's not that great. And never bought another one. They... <laughs> Their lowest rated album is this one, Inner Sanctum. Their highest rated album is the 2011 record, You're All Gonna Die, with a 4.08. <laughs> and if you know you well, rate your music. Right. <laughs> if you know you rate your music, um, nothing gets over a 4. So, unless it has. Very little. And I mean, it doesn't have enough ratings for it to be bolded. Um, if the text were bold and it had an over 4. Like, that would be, like, canonized. <laughs> like, yeah. You're never going to knock it down. Just out of curiosity's sake, I'm going to see what happens when I rate that album with a 2. <laughs> with how far it drops. And it became a 3.79. So, <laughs> I shouldn't be rating albums that I haven't actually listened to. So. It's probably accurate. <laughs> I'll fix it. Now it went up. It's a 4.11. How did that happen? <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Oh this, man, this band is not very good. You're not missing anything. Nope. Um, what do you have? Any other fetid, lingering thoughts about this? The one thing I wrote down that I felt like they seem obligated to play on this album or play this type of music, like, but. I just want to say, nobody's making you do this, guys. You don't have to play these songs. <laughs> you, they don't sound like they're having fun. It, it's not fun to listen to. I don't know who it's for. Is it for the people who have cut out all secular music altogether? If then, if so, are they going to get an I Spit on Your Grave reference? <laughs> you know? I don't know. Let's rate it. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to give it? I gave it a 2.0. Me too. 2.0. Just for their playing. Mm-hmm. And I maybe wonder if I should drop that a little bit because I don't think that he sings well. Mm. Because I feel like everyone else earn everyone else in the band earns them the 2.0. Yeah. And he sounds like he could be better, but he's just doing this bad voice. <laughs> I... I think I'm going to give it a 1.75. Well, I'll go with you then. <laughs> I, and and I mean really not I mean none of these songs stuck. No. I mean there, there's n- very little that's actually memorable about it. And it's not like I went into it with high hopes. I really actually was dreading it. Yeah. Um so they did impress me to a degree. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's better than you thought it would be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were better musicians than I expected them to be. <laughs> but I don't really want to li- listen to it ever again. No. No, I do not. So <sighs> we spent a very long time on that. So let's move on to our EP. So the arbitrary number is number 257 and it is Flesh for Lulu and their EP Roman Candle.
Flesh for Lulu, formed in 1982 in Brixton, London. Uh, released November 1983 on Polydor Records. This is their debut EP. There are two versions of this release. Uh, there's the two-song 7-inch single and the 12-inch EP single, which is what we were talking about today. Flesh for Lulu were a post-punk band with gothic rock influences, um, but a lot of their later albums kind of evolved into a more alternative rock-sounding thing. They came out of the Batcave music scene in England, uh, which was a kind of a pretty popular goth club uh, where Alien Sex Fiend got their start, and prominent figures like Robert Smith and Susie Sue and uh, Nick Cave would hang out, like frequent, and perform there. Um, so the personnel in this record is Nick Marsh on vocals and guitar, Rocco Barker on guitars, Glenn Bishop on bass, and James Mitchell on drums. The record was produced by Mick Glossop, who produced albums by Van Morrison, The Ruts, Magazine, The Alarm, UFO, Camel, and a ton of other stuff. He's kind of a all-around producer. Yeah, so... This... What did you think? (laughs) I like it and I don't like it. I... So the version, the official version of this EP, has a 10-minute extended mix version of the song Roman Candle. Do not waste your time listening to the 10-minute version. The radio edit version, I suppose, or the the actual single version of the song, which is maybe four minutes long. Excellent. Excellent, excellent song. Um, 10 minutes version, way too long. I don't know what the point of that 10-minute version was, other than maybe it was just a dance mix or something, or like a club thing. It, I don't imagine it was meant to be listened to as part of an album. So I would give that song itself... Like a 4.5, almost a 4.75. The 10-minute version, I it posted it down to like a 3, 3.5, 3.75. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I listened first to the single, or to the short, mm-hmm. the edited version of it. Um, not the, the extended mix. Mm-hmm. I did go listen to the extended mix after, just because I was curious what, why it was 10 minutes long. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> um i will say that version the longer version sounds more like what flesh for lulu sounds like on their first full length Mm -hmm. because i did also go and listen to at least the first handful of songs on on that album Mm -hmm. their self-titled album lots more dance beats Mm -hmm. and um and it's interesting, I was thinking, too, like, Flesh for Lulu is a band whose name I know, yeah, but I never knew anything about before this. And I was really curious, and and I'm also not super familiar with a lot of gothic rock and, like, post-punk stuff of this era. This, the extended version of Roman Candle and some of the stuff on their full length was struck me as kind of a precursor to Madchester, which is the very like dance oriented but jangly new wavy kind of stone roses that's the big name yeah um, i was gonna say it's like the era you know where um shoegaze really took off this was like the other sound that was happening at the same time yeah baggy uh was the other other name for it which again i'm not super familiar with that sound either but this 
yeah, this Flesh for Lulu doesn't, um, yeah, calling them a gothic rock band. I get it on some of these songs, but they didn't really strike me as being that much like most other gothic rock from this time period. Yeah, I really, I agree. I, I thought a lot of their other music did, have, like I said, it had more of an alternative rock vibe to it. Um, looking at the gothic rock charts for 1983, when the EP came out, you see stuff like the Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus, Susie and the Banshees, um, Gene Loves Jezebel. Yeah, Big Small. Um, there's good old 45 Grave, found them again. And our album we're going to talk about next week. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, what did you... Uh, from the first guitar riff, which I loved, I really liked the guitar playing on this record. I really loved the song Roman Candle. I think that song and, is excellent. Yeah, it was super catchy. But that first guitar riff, I was like, whoa. Like, really reminded me of some of the middle to later period Starflyer 59 records. Huh. His guitar playing. Just very, like, sur- sort of surfy, like, sort of spaghetti western y. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, it was not what I expected from this record. Um, well, I was going to say, too, I also really enjoyed the third track, uh, Lame Train. Uh, that's the one with the, uh, like, the tribal drums and, like, the really strong bass line. Uh, it's a little bit more of an aggressive sounding song, so not so focused on like the melody that Roman Candle was, but just more of just being a, a almost doing a birthday party thing, but like it, in, in a more pop inspired vibe. Well, more like I got a real big Adam Ant. Yeah, yeah, that's there. Um, and 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 on and going back to Roman Candle, Roman Candle and Lame Train both. Um, and there were uh, some occasions where the vocals would really remind me uh, on the other songs um, of the psychedelic furs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that too. Yeah. There's a. Well, I even 
listening to some of their later stuff, I even hear a little bit of Jesus and Mary Chain. Yeah, yep. That was the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Power of Suggestion. I mean, even a little bit of Lame Train. Like, those reminded me of sort of uh, Darklands and later mm-hmm. Jesus and Mary Chain. Not so much their first album, but... Now, what did you think of the song Coming Down? That was the second track. It's the weakest song. Yeah. Um, it had a weird, like, Jim Morrison thing going on vocally, <laughs> which is so funny because the rest of the songs, he he sounds just like Bono. Yeah. <laughs> which I saw lots of comments. They're like, it's Bono fronting Bauhaus. And, like, I, I agree with the Bono stuff. The Bauhaus is more not as pop-oriented as this record is but yeah it definitely has a bono he has a bono sound but yeah that's coming down has the weird jim morrison thing going on there yeah yeah it was the weakest track i enjoyed it but it didn't leave a huge impression on me i feel that way about power suggestion the last track um like that one i actually really liked see Um, that one didn't stick with me i got a like a television kind of like meandering blues guitar licks um just kind of like it it added a layer to a more downbeat song um that would have maybe been more forgettable otherwise but i i enjoyed that one yeah as much as the as the faster songs but you know flesh for lulu were a band that i was like i knew their name i knew their importance in like the goth scene but I couldn't figure out if I like if they were one of those bands that had like a massive hit. You know how like when we listened to Squeeze, we were shocked to learn like what their other songs were. I was hoping that Flesh from Lulu was one of those bands where I was like, oh my god, I didn't realize they were the band that sings, you know, whatever. Yeah, their most well-known song uh, came from the Some Kind of Wonderful soundtrack. Um, I can't remember the name. It's something like I go crazy, I get crazy, or something like that. I didn't recognize it. Uh, I was. <laughs> it's probably their most popular song, especially in the states, because you know that movie was big here. But uh, they weren't that. They didn't seem like they were that band. Like they were. Uh, they never had a, the breakthrough success that uh, a lot of other UK bands from this time period, with a with a name like theirs, with a name recognition like theirs, that would have. But. Um. Which is kind of unfortunate, because I do think they're a good band. I think there's a lot of, like, the super well-known bands that had, like, huge singles in the United States from England around that time. Yeah. They don't have the albums. Like, they may have had more singles, but Flesh for Lulu might have better albums than a lot of that. Because, like, I've listened to some Simple Minds stuff that's, like, outside of their singles, and I think they're boring. Yeah. So, and that reminded me of... I, um, I have listened to a couple of pretty boring <laughs> um, British post-punk records recently from the 80s, early 80s. Um, notably, I listened to uh, From the Lion's Mouth by The Sound, which was super highly rated uh, for 1981. Um, I got very little out of it. <laughs> Not very remarkable. Like, I listened to... And I listened to Pornography by The Cure, Mm-hmm. Uh, the other day, and I think I'm more of a singles guy when it comes to The Cure. I have listened to, uh, I want to say Faith. I've listened to Pornography. 
head on the door had more singles and more of the popular stuff that I enjoy. But yeah, I don't know. I listen. I, I I too have listened to some Cure recently, and I listened to Faith, and I thought it was good, not amazing. Um, I don't know if I've listened to Pornography, but I have listened to Disintegration. I think that's a great record. So I I, th- I think there's a line. There's like the more pop side of the Cure. Um, I think that's where I fall as far as what I enjoy from them. They have a great sound. Like, even all the earlier albums, I like their sound. I like what they're doing. It's just, like, the songwriting is not quite there for me, personally. But, yeah, I like the later, more pop-oriented stuff. But, um, yeah, all that to say, I was very surprised by Flesh for Lulu. (laughs) Um, And I am really surprised to see that this EP is not higher rated. Um, And maybe it's just because of the 10-minute version of of the title track and then the second track is a little weaker mm-hmm. well, maybe that's what pushes it down but i think if you just skip to the next song once the dance beat starts yeah um <clears throat> or just listen to the other version yeah because there's a compilation on spotify which is where we had to listen to this that was called like the polydor years and it has uh this entire ep on there but it flips it puts the single version of Roman Candle first, and then the extended version is at the end. So, like, just start with the single version and listen there. You don't. I don't think the extended version is necessary unless you're just like super curious about what they, what it sounds like. But the the song and in Roman these are Can- some long songs. Yeah, it's funny because like if you look, Lame at- Train is like five minutes long, and it, it was really engaging all the way through. I, it was. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed that song. So it did not feel like five minutes. It has a 3.27 on Rate Your Music. And it's funny, that's higher than their first two albums, the self-titled and Big Fun City. Those have 2.91s and 2.95s. And those are, I guess all their albums have a similar number of ratings on them. Um, but it's interesting that those records aren't as well received as this EP. Though, and you know, the type of person who goes out of their way to listen to an EP versus an album is going to tend to be more favorable in general. So yeah. it kind of skews, but I'm surprised to see their score is that low for those first two records. Um, their next two, Long Live the New Flesh and Plastic Fantastic, have higher scores, which is more what I expected to see for a band with a name like as well known as Flesh for Lulu. Yeah, they're an interesting band. I I like a lot of what they're doing here, and while I don't I don't particularly like some of the experimentation, I don't hate it. And you know they're going for something different, so I don't know. It it's interesting. I I'd be more interested to hear more of their stuff. Yeah. So um, unless you have anything else you want to say, what would you rate this record? I gave it a four. Yeah. I I really dug it. I would revisit it. I went ahead and I actually put one of these songs on a playlist, so <laughs> it, it earned that that spot. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. Maybe I'll only really like this EP. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I uh, give it. I give it a three point five. Um, if if I was rating the single version of Roman Candle, then I might bump it to a four. But because just for the sake of this episode, I'm considering the ten minute version the actual version. It gets it knocked down to three point five. Um, yeah. I, I I guess I would say I. I rated it a four based more on the single version. Yeah. Um, so this, to be a purist about it, for this 
specific version with this sequencing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Crucial maybe sequencing. Maybe more like a 3.75, but... Yeah. Yeah. Still. I think you liked the song power suggestion more than I did. I was a little, I was a little bored by it. It was a little bluesy for me. Um, yeah, and it got, and it got me thinking of this. Like, it kind of reminded me of maybe like some of the slower songs from like the the Eno produced uh, Bowie records. Hmm. Um, in particular, more Heroes probably. I think that one has more of the slower stuff. Um, I don't know. I thought it was. That was interesting. Yeah. Well, it's not often that I get su- really surprised by something on this show. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So next week is our final week of the Halloween spectacular, um, and we will be talking number two eighty five on our list, uh, and it is Play Dead and their album The First Flower. So we got more nineteen eighty three goth rock, but I did want to point out that it has one of the best covers out of everything we're going to be talking about on it on it it's it's literally pumpkins carved pumpkins on the front so <laughs> it's it couldn't be more perfect that's great and our ep is number 52 very high on the charts and it is dead or alive it's been hours now and if you're not familiar dead or alive are the band who are most famous for the song um what is that song actually called it's <laughs> Spin me around like a record, baby. Uh, it's called like round, round and round, or something. I don't remember the exact full name of that song, but it is called "You Spin Me Around." You spin me around. Yeah, they have. What's their other big single? Because I know there's something that I know. Uh, brand new lover, or that's my, probably my it. My heart goes bang, or I'd do anything. There's a couple different ones. I bet it's probably you brand new lover, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that going into this episode before listening to either one of these records, I'm gonna guess that might be our best pairing of albums we've done so far. Yeah, because at this point, whoo, <laughs> whoo, we've been lucky to have. Just wanna, just wanna say thank you to our previous guests, <laughs> uh, Anne, Paul, and Corey, uh, for suffering through. <laughs> Misfits, fifties albums, Necromantics. Um, um, what was the full length we did for? Uh, oh, Guanabats. Yeah. Um, I didn't like White Zombie, but Anne liked it, so she probably yeah. got got off <laughs> the best. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. So thank you so much for doing it. And um, next week will be yeah our last Halloween episode, and then after that's fest. So. Stay tuned. If you if you listen last year, you'll uh, you'll know what's coming. So continue to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at PunkLottoPod. We have an email address is PunkLottoPod at gmail.com. And our website is PunkLottoPod.Simplecast.fm. Please give us a rating or a review on iTunes. And our rest of our episodes are available on Spotify and Stitcher. And uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Burn in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, even me. Hey, Dad, here's one. $28 an hour, plenty of fresh air, and you get to meet lots of interesting people. What job is that? Grave digger. (laughs) 